Hello and welcome to my podcast, Mind Your Mindset, with me, Sam Hafford, a podcast about creating a mindset for ourselves, which allows us to live the life we want to live and be the person we want to be. Learn to know yourself to search realistically and regularly the process of your own mind. Now that there's a quote from Nelson Mandela and I thought was the perfect way to start an episode focused around the process of trying to find out who you are. And having talked in the last episode about how important I believe it is to find your values, um, you know, find that code to living that really speaks to you and allows you to be your most authentic self. Um, it seemed to me that it made sense to do a follow up episode on personality tests, as I think for many people, this can sort of be an accessible first step into opening up that honest communication with themselves. And I think can help help them to understand a bit more about who they actually are and maybe what drives them forward in life, which I think is crucial if we're to be our true real self. And I feel this episode might be full of disclaimers and explanations, partly, I think, because people can have quite strong opinions on personality tests, um, you know, in terms of their use, their effects, etc., etc., um, which means I'll be quite careful in my explanation of my own views and how I perceive the personality tests themselves, um, as well as just saying a bit about some of the different tests that are out there. So first disclaimer, which is an obvious one, but I still think needs to be said is I'm no expert in any of these. I'm not a hype man, certainly not a paid one for any particular personality tests. Yes, I've read a lot of literature, listened to a lot of podcasts around certain ones. But as always, I'm just a guy giving my own personal views based on my own personal experiences. And while I try to be objective, you know, it can be hard to avoid my own bias a little bit as I have found some to be more effective for myself. And again, emphasis on myself um, than, than others. And I think it's really important at this point as well to define what I mean by personality tests. So when I say personality tests, I don't mean like your BuzzFeed, which Hogwarts house are you type of test. And on that, while I'm secretly proud that I'm a Ravenclaw, which I think, to be fair, can probably actually tell you a little bit about my personality in itself. um, They're not particularly useful when it comes to having an actual honest communication with who you are. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them at all. Uh, But for me, they don't do the job for which I believe some personality tests can be useful. And what I mean by personality tests are those that maybe go a little bit deeper into looking at who you actually are and those that maybe you're answering them as long as you're answering them with sort of total honesty, which I'll come back to later, can maybe make you feel a bit uncomfortable. So with any personality test, for me, the absolute most important thing to remember is that human beings are incredibly complex creatures. Every minute of every day, we each process millions upon millions of bits of information from the world around us and everything we experience, no matter how big, how small, will have an impact on sort of how we perceive the world, you know, how we think, how we act, ultimately on who we are. Um, So when a personality test, I think, tries to fix us into a particular category, there is an inherent flaw in this. You know, we're all a mix of each other's personalities. But it's our own particular mix, I think, that can be quite transformative to discover. And a link to this is maybe how we end up using the information that a personality test gives us. And I think this is sometimes the reason that maybe these personality tests can get a bit of a bad name. Or maybe some people can be quite wary or maybe dismissive of them. And ultimately, any personality test is useless, maybe even sort of arguably damaging, if we use the information we learn from it in the wrong way. By which, by the wrong way, I mean sort of as an excuse for our behaviour, our fears or for the struggles we may be experiencing in our lives at that point. And I think a simple example of what I'm talking about is let's say you take a test and that tells you you're an introvert. You know, someone who recharges their energy by spending time alone. 
can't help actually but put in here that an introvert is not someone who isn't good at speaking to people or is unsociable. Such a bugbear of mine. It's just someone who mostly needs alone time to recharge rather than mostly recharging for being around people. And again, I think that's a topic that probably needs its own episode. But anyway, so you found out you have a tendency to be introverted. Great. Well, what do you do with that information? Well, I think there's two ways you can respond to that. And one is to say, you know, ah, of course I behave like that because I'm an introvert. I can't help feeling nervous around new people. That's just who I am. There's nothing I can do about it because I'm an introvert. Introverts don't speak to people. I'm an introvert. It's too late to change who I am even if I wanted to. I'm going to carry on not putting myself in new situations where there's lots of people around. You know, that makes me feel uncomfortable and therefore I shouldn't do it because introverts don't do that. An extreme thought process, a no, but one that actually I found is surprisingly common. And when we find out something about who we are, I think the absolute worst thing we can do is use it as an excuse to explain away sort of areas of ourselves where we have the most potential to grow. You know, the person who went through that thought process I just said is now going to carry on feeling uncomfortable in new situations. It's going to carry on struggling in large groups of people and taken to the extreme will then start disliking who they are rather than embracing and loving who they are. You know, I hate being an introvert. Why am I like this? It's not fair. Why can't I be an extrovert? Clearly, that's developing an incredibly negative mindset about themselves. And what started out with a desire to have an honest communication with oneself has actually ended up sort of being the opposite. And the way I think the way we should respond to the knowledge that, for example, maybe we're more introverted is to use it as an opportunity to grow. So um, what I mean by that is you, you say, you know, ah, so I share traits common with people who are more introverted that could explain why I find large social gatherings quite uncomfortable or exhausting. Now that I know this, next time I'm at one, I'll try not to worry about the fact that I find them stressful. You know, while I can't help finding them tiring, I won't let that upset me. Maybe I'll stay for a length of time I'm comfortable with, and then maybe the next gathering I'll stay for an hour longer. Just, I think having that knowledge, that insight into an aspect of ourselves is so useful. And I think it's up to us to decide what we do with that information and, you know, use it as an opportunity to grow helps us to become the best version of ourselves, helps grow that positive mindset. And I think the idea really is not to change who you are. I think that's another misconception of personality tests. The idea is to find those areas of ourselves that have the most potential for growth. So rather than becoming someone else, we become a happier, healthier version of our authentic selves. As I've said before, the best way to a positive mindset is to be our most real self with all our weird quirks. But to do that, we need to understand who we are. And I, I believe some personality tests used in the right way can help us do that. So I thought I'd share a few personality tests that I found particularly useful for me when I first began my own journey of opening up that honest communication with myself and trying to understand more about who I am. And this won't be an exhaustive list of all the different tests out there. And nor am I saying these are the only useful ones. As I said, these are just ones that worked best for me personally. Uh, so what I'm going to do is give you a brief overview of how they work and what I think is effective, but also limited about them, um, rather than going into detail about what all the different descriptions actually mean, as that will take a whole series of episodes to cover. And if you want any advice on these personality tests, whether that's where to find more information about them, or maybe you want to understand more about your results, then do message me. My contact details will be in the episode description. I know from personal experience, it can be so useful to talk through your results with someone who knows about them and as there can be quite a lot to unpick and I'm so keen to help people who are on this journey in any way I can. Um, So the first test I came across but also the one I think is the best one to start with 
is the MBTI, the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, also known as 16 Personalities. And I was initially slightly put off by this one as I, when I first came across it, as it's one that's quite widely used in the corporate world. But, you know, hear me out, as actually the reason it's used there so much is to improve communica- communication, which, as you know, if you've listened to any of my episodes before, I am a big fan of. And the way it works is actually quite simple. There are four categories, each of which has two possible options to describe what you like. And each of these options is given a letter code, meaning there are 16 possible personality type combinations uh, you can be, you know, hence the name 16 personalities. And so I'll quickly run through the four categories to give you a clearer idea of how it works. So the first category is energy, where you get your mental energy from. So either you're an I for introvert, you get your energy from time alone, or an E for extrovert, you get your energy from time with other people. Next category is information, how you take in information. Either you're an N for intuition, you know, you focus on the big picture, you imagine different possibilities and alternative ideas for a project, or you're an S for sensing, focus on the details, a realist who makes decisions based on the information in front of them. Uh, Third category is decisions, you know, how you make a decision. Either you're a T for thinking, meaning you base your decisions on logic, you think analytically, and you try to do what you think is fair in a situation. Or you're an F for feeling, base your decisions on how you feel, you tend to think very empathetically, very much consider the impact of your decisions on other people. And final category is organisation, how you organise your life. Either you're a J for judging, you know, meaning you like clear plans, a fixed deadline, uh, and you'll have a list of things to do in a specific order compared to a P for perceiving, you know, those who prefer to maybe deviate from plans, a bit more spontaneous, like to improvise, maybe see deadlines as quite flexible things. This then would leave you with a combination of letters that describes your personality. And in my case, I'm an, what's called an ISTJ. Now, that's a very quick, basic overview of the 16 personalities. But more important is why I found it particularly useful when trying to find, sort of trying to understand who I was. And I think the best way to describe this is to use an example from my own life. So I had a girlfriend who was very much an F. She based her decision-making process on how she felt, how it would impact those around her. I, however, very much a T. You know, based my decisions on what's logical, what I perceive to be fair. And we got on great, so great, and still do to this day. But when we were in a relationship, every so often we would have a sort of big blowout, a big argument about the same thing every time. In essence, I would say something that I thought made sense, she would get upset and say that I wasn't you know, considering how she felt or the flip side. She would come to a conclusion that to me seemed completely illogical, made a situation more difficult. And that would, you know, really irritate me. Now, the problem was that neither of us really realized that people could have different ways of coming to a decision. It wasn't that either of us was right or wrong necessarily. We were just tackling a problem from different ends of the stick, you know, Imagine the Disney film Lady and the Tramp. We're both slurping the spaghetti, but instead of meeting in the middle, we were pulling apart. And it wasn't until after we broke up and I looked into the 16 personalities that I realised why that had kept happening. And it sounds bad, but it opened my eyes to the idea that some people don't actually think in the same way I do. You know, shock horror, someone actually thinks differently to me, but it was a bit of a revelation at the time. But it allowed me to be so much more compassionate and empathetic. You know, instead of thinking of other people as illogical, I thought of it as a different logic to my own. And that shift gave me so much more understanding for my ex. And more importantly, I think it allowed me to tap more into that F side of myself. You know, I am by nature a T, more so, but I allowed myself to consider how someone who's more an F way of thinking 
might come to the decision, which may actually even be the better outcome overall. So I think that growth brought on by this personality test had actually a real profound impact on how I see the world. And I think it means I'm, I'm a much better communicator as a, as a result. And so now a disclaimer with the, this system is that there is a bit of a weakness in that it's binary. You know, it says you're this or you're this. When actually personality is a spectrum and you'll find that you have elements of both sides. So it may be that you're 60% introverted and 40% extroverted. But as a starting point for looking at how you think, I think it can be really quite useful. Now, the second personality test I wanted to mention is my absolute favourite. I will freely admit that. I think it's one that digs a bit deeper, and I believe it's so powerful for helping you understand uh, why you think the way you do. And it's called the Enneagram. Now, the Enneagram is far too deep and complex for me to even begin to properly explain how it works. But essentially, it's an interconnected wheel of nine different numbered personality types. But I think what sets it apart is that it really allows for the fact that we are all a mix of all personalities. Now, by the Enneagram, I'm at what's called a type six, which means I strive for security and stability in my life. Now, obviously, there's much more to it than that. But the reason I found it so effective is the more I looked into it, the more I think I realized why I made some of the same mistakes time and again, why certain situations maybe always made me feel anxious or uncomfortable. Um, it, by understanding my need for security, I think suddenly the fact that I seem to crave routine and that new situations made me anxious actually made sense. And crucially, I think the knowledge of that freed me. It allowed me to seek out new experiences, break out of some of my routines. And I was able to tell myself that the only anxiety I felt wasn't because I couldn't do those things. It's just a bit about how my mind maybe by default reacts. And I'm now so much happier as a result. You know, I've experienced such amazing things that I never would have otherwise because I've got a greater understanding of who I am, you know, of how I tick, why I react in the ways that I do sometimes. And I think that knowledge is power. And I think it allows you to be your more or more authentic self. And I think this is the trick. Had I used that knowledge of my desire for stability as an excuse not to try new things, then I wouldn't have grown. I would have carried on making the same mistakes. But now with that kind of self-hating idea of that's just who I am, instead of the more self-loving idea of, oh, so how can I grow in that space? Now, the final test I wanted to mention is called your love language. Something that's actually quite a recent discovery for me, and I'm not sure how it escaped my notice, is it's all about having good communication with people, you know, I'm all about that. So the idea of love languages is mostly focused around romantic relationships, but I do think it has uses outside of that too. And in essence, it says there are five ways that people can be made to feel most loved. And every person will have a different order of preference for these. So there's words of affirmation, you know, random compliments. I love yous. They really lift your spirit. Uh, physical touch, pretty self-explanatory, you know, surprise hugs, kisses, even just an arm around the shoulder really makes you feel loved. Quality time, when someone puts away distractions and focuses their time and attention towards you. And that really makes you feel most special. There's then acts of service when a person volunteers to help you with a task or does chores for you without you asking them. And then the final love language is receiving gifts. You know, when someone surprises you with flowers or your favourite chocolate bar on their way home, it doesn't have to be anything big and fancy. It's just those little touches and it lets you know how much they care. And actually, I've just realised that I put mine in order of preference there. So if that's not proof, then that there's some truth to it, then I don't know what is. But yeah, I think the reason I like this one is that it really helps to know how the important people around you feel most loved. 
So instead of getting annoyed, maybe that they don't seem too fussed by the gifts you keep kept getting them, you know, you can focus your energy on words of affirmation and maybe watch them brighten that much more as a result. And I think knowing your own love language is also so important um, as it allows the people around you to make you feel as special as you make them feel. Now, I'm going to finish with, I think, one last disclaimer, perhaps the most important of all. And I've been using the word personality test, which I actually think is kind of a bit of a misnomer. You know, all of these MBTI, Enneagram, love languages and all the others out there, they themselves aren't tests. They're ways of describing personalities. They're what's called typologies. And while you can take tests to see how you fit into each system, I think the most effective way to discover where you fit is after taking the test, read into each one and decide whether or not there's actually a ring of truth to what they're saying. If there isn't, then you've probably been mistyped and you'll need to read the other types in that system and see if any of those ring more true. You know, a good marker is if you hear yourself saying, oh, wow, you know, that, it's like they're describing me. Or actually, maybe even more importantly, re- when you read a personality and it actually makes you feel quite uncomfortable as it holds up that mirror to parts of yourself, maybe you've tried to hide away a little bit. And that honest communication with yourself is more important than ever here. You know, don't shy away from looking at the parts of yourself you'd rather avoid. And I think only by being honest when reading into these systems will you have the most potential for growth. You know, and ultimately you are unique to this world and no one knows you better than you do, no matter what anyone else tries to tell you. And it can take time. You know, with the Enneagram, it took me several months to figure out my type. And it wasn't until I dug a little bit deeper into my motivations, I was a bit more open with myself, that I actually discovered my type. And then all of a sudden, these opportunities for growth sprung up. You know, I understood more about who I was and I think so could grow so much more. Now, in my first draft, I actually stopped here, um, first draft of this episode. But I think on reflection, I really felt the need to clarify something that I feel is really important. And that's that it's so crucial to remember you're more than just a personality. You know, you are the sum of your life experiences, the people around you's life experiences, the reactions to your life experiences, whatever type or personality you turn out to be is actually kind of largely irrelevant as long as you use what you find out to carry on that honest communication with yourself, to recognise pitfalls you may fall into and, and learn and grow from that experience. And if you do that, then... Honestly, just sit back and watch a more positive mindset grow in you as a result. So this episode ended up being a little bit longer than I intended. And yet I still feel like I've barely scratched the surface. So surface. So definitely something that I'll come back to, I think, in the future. And like I said, feel free to contact me with any questions you have. Contact details will be there. But I think the take home message is this. The more time you invest, I think, into finding out who you really are, you know, into discovering your authentic self, however you go about it the greater the rewards will be. And personality tests taken and used in the right way can be a tool to help with this. And I promise I'll finish now by leaving you with this quote from the Greek philosopher Aristotle that really resonated with me today. Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Thanks for listening to the Mind Your Mindset podcast with me, Sam Hafford, and see you in the next episode.